Ion 2020 episode 74. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, Ray Eaton here, your host of Ion 2020, your place for the news and events and the messages that these candidates are sending out for the 2020 election. I appreciate you coming out and listening today. I really do. Uh, we do this. I do this Monday through Friday for you, and I, you know, work hard to try to find all the news that I can get you. Uh, you can find some of the news on IonTheEmpire.com. That's my website, and you can also follow me on Twitter. And I also post all those news articles on Twitter as well. And also, uh, we have a Facebook page as well. That's Eye on the Empire. That's on the Facebook page. And if you want to follow that, you can as well. Go ahead and like it and share it with your friends if you want to as well. And that will help them to find the program because I do post the uh, the podcast on the all three of those outlets every single day as well. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to the show if you're listening on a podcatcher. Uh, and if you want to give me a five-star rating and review, you can do that as well. If I do see a review come through and you, and you do... Uh, rate some good stuff about the show, then I will probably go ahead and start reading those things on uh, on the show live as well. So that would be that'd be nice to see some of y'all start subscribing to the show, then get leaving five star ratings and reviews, and that'll you know really help to boost the show's appeal as well. And uh, it'll also help uh, like Apple and the different pod pod uh, cast apps to make the show more more prominent especially going into 2020 i think that we can make this thing uh really become a prominent show in the libertarian movement as well as uh across the uh podcasting spectrum so uh all it's going to do is take you guys to go ahead and share it and uh share it with your friends and uh you know give those five star ratings and that's what i'm hoping for so episode 74 is where i'm at now and as you guys know i am on a cruise and, uh, you know, hopefully at this point I got a good suntan, uh, probably put on a couple extra pounds and, uh, you know, seeing some nice places in the Caribbean, who knows, but for now, right, I'm going to be sitting here, uh, talking to you guys because I recorded all these episodes right before I left just so that I could have some good information for you. Yesterday I talked about Andrew Yang, uh, his candidacy for president, <clears throat> for your first time listening uh, go back and listen to that show as well. But one of his things that he is really pushing is a universal basic income. And that's what I wanted to talk about today is the universal basic in- basic income or UBI. He calls it the freedom dividend. Uh, they always got to put a little nice mass appeal thing on there. Right? The freedom dividend, uh, just like we had the Patriot Act, things like that. People in America love to hear freedom dividend. And I think he actually... Um, I think I heard him say it on the Freakonomics podcast that he crowdsourced that particular wording just to make sure it sounded really good. And it was the one that had the most mass appeal when he crowdsourced that. 
that word. So that freedom dividend is what he's talking about. Really, that's just an old thing that goes back centuries called uh, universal basic income. <clears throat> there were, I mean, this thing goes back to, I think, like the 14 and 1500s. There was different uh, politicians that used something similar to that. Uh, you know, kings and queens and different people use something very similar to that sounding to like a universal basic income. One of them was that if you just give the poor people enough money to have their food and so where they want to steal to get their food, um, so it'll it'll decrease crime. But the main point, you know, it goes into the uh, United States, the universal basic income idea came out back in the 1960s, really. A 1950s, 1960s, uh, Milton Friedman really popular. Milton Friedman popularized it big time in 1962 in a book that he that he put out, and he he actually called it a negative income tax, which is very similar to what we call the universal basic income today. But uh, we'll talk about that more as well. But uh, the history really goes back, you know, where in the 1900s a lot of different countries started thinking about this idea of just having everybody have a certain you know minimum amount of money that they get from the government on a monthly basis and that's going to help to make sure that everyone everyone's basic needs are met of food shelter clothing and so forth just right at that poverty line right and then anything above that you know, they'll just give everybody that specific amount of money. And then you could also go out and earn more than that if you'd like to as well. So it's not a new idea that Andrew Yang has. It's been tossed around by different names throughout the throughout the centuries, especially in the 20th century. Uh, it was something that was thrown around. And Milton Friedman was the one that really popularized that idea. And uh, I think, even think Frederick Hayek, which is a libertarian uh, or not a libertarian, an Austrian economist even, uh, talked about it. some sort of basic income as well. But Milton Friedman being a libertarian, uh, he's probably one of the most popular people in the libertarian movement that talked about it. And that's kind of... Uh, so what I want to do today is just want to jump into what it is. So the idea that Andrew Yang is talking about doing is he wants to put out... Uh, give everyone a freedom div dividend of $1,000, no matter who you are, rich, poor... Um, whoever you are, you, you as long as you are over eighteen, you're gonna get this freedom dividend of a thousand dollars per month, and that's he says what that's gonna do is it's gonna help people who are being displaced by robotics and workers. It's, you know, their their jobs are being displaced, displaced so that they can go out and find a different job and not be rushed into it. Um, and that's the idea behind what he's saying is the reason why we need a free, this freedom dividend or universal basic income. And you do hear a lot of different articles that have been written on this particular thing as well. And it seems like it's getting traction among the left now, way more so than it is among the, the right. It seems like the, uh, the Republicans are not for this when back in, I think it was back in the 70s and 80s, you would see a lot of Republicans that were for a universal basic income. But the idea that they were really tossing out was that it would be a way to replace the entire welfare system. And I don't really see Andrew Yang talking about it as a complete replacement of the welfare system, though. Um, but that was the original idea, was that it would replace the entire welfare system. Any handouts that are given from one person to another, um, 
like from the government to somebody else. It re, you know, uh, this way people aren't rewarded for being able to game the system um, because Americans are typically, you know, not fond of people that are, you know, welfare queens and things of that nature. Uh, now, it, you know, that's that was like the in the 90s they called the welfare queens, people that learned how to game the system. But there still is a lot of that where people try to game the system in order to get more benefits from their welfare uh, checks, also more money, more food stamps, and so forth. And the idea originally touted with the UBI system was to make it so that it was a direct transfer from the government to you, gets rid of all of those middlemen in the welfare programs, gets rid of that huge bureaucracy. The only thing that they need is a printer press, printing press, and a postage stamp, and a uh, you know, in a in a check sent to you in the mail, and nowadays it could even done be done electronically as well, where everyone would get that thousand dollar check in the mail every single day or every single month. So um, that's the original idea, but I don't really see where Andrew Yang is really trying to make it. So it's I don't think his idea is to get rid of the entire welfare bureaucracy as well, um, which would probably be the best way to make something like that happen. So. The benefits to the UBI system is, from what I see, is that um, if you have it in that pure form, it would get rid of that whole bureaucracy. Uh, Andrew Yang just says that since we're going to have, you know, huge amounts of automation going on over the next decade, as well as like I think the largest employer in the world, or not employer, but the largest employee employment um, industry in the world is truck drivers, right? Um, there's five or six million truck drivers across the United States and one of the largest industries and that's can easily go automated supposedly that's what they're saying is that you're going to have these trucks just driving themselves soon enough and he says with all that displaced those displaced workers um you're going to need some kind of system in place and uh so that's where he's getting at and that's what he says is one of the benefits of having a universal basic income um another idea is that um it'll allow people to have the freedom to do pro bono work have freedom to be caregivers and things like that but still have you know at least some kind of income coming in every single month and so those are i mean from what i've read i've done a lot of research in the last couple days on this and from from what i've read that those are the main um benefits that people tout as the benefits of a universal basic income system. Um, but the but the thing that a lot of these people are saying <clears throat> as cons to the universal basic income system is that it will, and there's been studies that have done that kind of prove this, is that it, de- it disincentivizes people from working. Um, like right now, one of, the, one of the articles that I read, it says that only about, you know, one out of every five people are on a welfare system and they say welfare puts people in a position where they are less likely to go find a job because their incentive is to stay on the program right and a universal basic income system will put it so it goes from one out of every five people that have this disincentive to work to a hundred percent of people because a hundred percent of people are going to be in a position where they're going to get a check no matter what. Um, not saying that most of those people are just going to stop working and just decide to stay home. Um, 
because I think most people have some kind of drive to have some extra money, but it will cause a certain amount of people who are going to be less likely to go out and work or they will be less likely to find a job as fast if they got laid off. Um, and those and those statistics are actually the government did a study from I believe it was 1977 up to about 1981 and it actually found that to be true that people were less likely to get jobs and if they did get laid off they're more likely to stay unemployed for a long amount of time if they had that check coming in every single month so and you actually see that with unemployment as well whenever people get on unemployment if you have the unemployment last for six months then people will start to find jobs within that six month period but then whenever they extend it to 12 months or even 18 months the meaty the mean just kind of gets extended even further because people are okay with you know taking their time to find those jobs and so forth so this universal basic income those were the that's kind of the negatives that people say about that particular system um in my opinion if if you gave the government the power and this is where my opinion comes in right if you give the government the power to give everybody a thousand dollars per month if that was became the law of the land that we passed the universal basic income system um i just think that somehow that you're going to end up with more politicians promising certain things to certain people like larger checks to some people less checks to other people it's going to become a political football that people just pass back and forth trying to get their particular group extra funding that's going to become the same thing that we have now you're going to have people lobbyists on k street that are there to protect their constituencies thousand dollars per month or to get more for their constituency at the expense of other people it just becomes another way for politicians to um, wield their power over you and your pocketbook on a regular basis um, and to me i have a lack of trust for that federal government in the first place because all it is all the federal government is is people people that are imperfect people that are looking to pr protect their jobs people that are looking to justify the fact that they have those jobs and obviously they're going to justify themselves to stay even if they're a bureaucracy that is kind of crowded out by a ubi system so i think that that's the challenge that you would have um in my opinion yeah we have this utopian idea that says hey let's just give everyone a thousand dollars a month it's going to be great but then you don't realize the politics that go beyond the behind the scene and we all know that there's plenty of politics from the right and from the left that goes behind the scenes on something like that so that's where my main challenge is with a ubi system um and i just don't think that it's something that could be fixed and besides the point the other major criticism that some people have is the fact that it's just going to be an enormous cost even if you got rid of the entire welfare state completely uh, something like this giving everyone twelve thousand dollars a year is going to everyone that's 18 and over twelve thousand dollars a year it's going to literally cost the federal government i think it said four and a half trillion dollars uh every single year and the budget's not even you know three and a half trillion i believe so you're going to be spending four and a half trillion dollars plus the military budget plus every you know social security 
um, Medicare and so forth, uh, you're going to have a budget that's completely overrun with just the fact that they're paying out you know, $12,000 per year to every single person that's over 18. If you're going to spend $4.5 trillion, what would the total federal budget be at that point? Probably around 5 or $6 trillion. So you're going to have massive tax increases that are need to get done, or you're going to have massive borrowing, or you're going to have massive printing of money. But it's not going to, that's the only way the government can get money is through taxes, through printing money, or through borrowing. So somehow they're going to have to make up that shortfall if they were going to do something like that. So then people say, well, hey, why don't we just do uh, universal basic income, but it's only for people that make less than $100,000 a year, less than $50,000 a year. But then at that point, it becomes a not universal basic income, just a basic income guarantee for certain people. And then it becomes even more of a political football at that point that people, you know, that politicians promise and get elected on or get elected to protect. So to me, that's just something that I would like to frown and stay away from. Um, But Andrew Yang, he specifically is just, you know, he's throwing out promises to people. And uh, that's what politicians do, right? They try to get elected. And this is something that is a popular idea. Um, he has his reasons for it. He thinks that uh, that we're going to be looking at a world where there is more automation. So there's going to be more, more and more people out of work. But we're living in a world right now where there's, what is it, 3.5% unemployment. Uh, so that's pretty much full employment, right? So if you had automation that was taking over people's jobs in the last 10 years, it hasn't really happened. And then he says, well, look at the um, the job force participation rate, which is at a pretty low rate, which correctly so it is at a pretty low rate. The job The job force participation rate is lower than it was 10 years ago, but we also have a generation of baby boomers who have recently retired and that's those are people that would be finding themselves in the in that labor force participation number as well um and also you have a lot of people that are going off on their own and doing their own things now uh business wise and so forth that maybe are not reporting or you also have people that are able to work from home or choose not to work a lot more than they did in the past so um i do think that the labor force, I don't think that um, we're in a situation where it's critical that you have UBI because of this whole automation thing. I think that that's a hoax. I think that's something that is, and I said this yesterday in some ways, um, I think that what we're going to be finding is that as the price of everything comes down because of this automation, when you get the labor cost out of a lot of items, you're going to have a lot less you know, a lot cheaper food. If you're going to a restaurant and it's fully automated, it would be very inexpensive to provide you with that hamburger, french fries, and a soda, right? Versus the having, you know, 15 or 20 people behind the counter, you have one or two people behind the counter making the entire thing happen. So you're going to have uh, much less labor costs, which is going to result in much less cost to the consumer. Uh, And then you have more money to spend on other stuff, which can be entertainment, it can be traveling, it can be Netflix, it can be whatever, just things that you enjoy doing. Uh, it could be hobbies and so forth. And you're going to see a you're going to see a lot more people taking on those type of roles where you're out there experiencing life now. Where you know, hundred years ago, you couldn't do anything like that. You couldn't even have dreamed of going and backpacking around Europe back then. Uh, some people did, but it was only the very the very wealthy children 
or the children of very wealthy people that were able to do stuff like that. Nowadays, it's possible for people to do that, and it's because we have that wealth that is caused by automation and a lot of things so far, um, and that's brought the cost of food down, that's brought the cost of everything down, and over time, I think that's going to bring the cost of even more things down to the point where where there's going to be a huge society now based upon entertainment and so forth. And we already have that. I mean, look at these huge complexes now that you have for, um, like I said yesterday, you have bounce house, you know, you have have places where you can go and you can jump in bounce houses at like Monkey Joe's. You have these trampoline parks, you have these skydiving centers, you have um, just all kinds of stuff going on now that you wouldn't have had 30 or 40 years ago because people have more money to spend on those entertainment things. And I think that that's where uh, the world's going to be going because are you really going to go skydiving and learn how to skydive with a robot? No. Like those are things that are going to be needing people around. So we're going to interact more amongst each other rather than going to work all the time. Uh, I just think that the future is bright and I don't see why these people think as, think so differently about this, but uh, what they're trying to do is have some kind of government control and that's what they're trying to do with this UBI uh, is is have that you know, that security blanket of the federal government. But when the federal government goes bankrupt, that security blanket's gone. I'd rather depend upon myself. And that's kind of a libertarian way. That's a libertarian message. So anyhow, I appreciate you guys listening. And I appreciate you guys coming back every single day and listening uh, Monday through Friday. Go ahead and keep on listening. And you can do that by subscribing to the show. And then make sure you come back tomorrow so you'll have clear vision for 2020.